Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week's hashtag QueerAF contains references to violent hate crimes, sexual harassment, and rape. Are we recording? Are we rolling? We are rolling. Are we rolling? We are. <clears throat> <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky, one of history's most famous composers, a genius of Russian classical music, the man behind Swan Lake, The Nutcracker, six symphonies, 11 operas, and some of the most recognisable melodies ever written. This week on Hashtag Kuriath, Russia's most famous musical son but most people don't even know that he was gay. Today's reporter is Patrick Roden Morgan, a music graduate from Cardiff University and now an arts manager. He's passionate about classical music's LGBT plus history. And as Russia continues to torture and murder queer people in Chechnya, we ask, is it more important than ever to celebrate history's great queer icons? You'd never suspect that Tchaikovsky enjoyed relative freedom as a gay man in Russia at the end of the 19th century. From what we know, his professional and social circles were aware and tolerant of his sexuality. He even wrote frankly to his brother Modest, who was also gay, about his love life. But somehow, rumours have taken hold that the great composer was deeply ashamed of his queerness. Although homosexuality was technically illegal in Tchaikovsky's Russia, in practice it was widely accepted. Pauline Fairclough of the University of Bristol. Members of Alexander III's own family and court were known to be gay and were both supported and promoted by the Tsar. In 1877, Tchaikovsky married one of his female students at the Moscow Conservatory of Music as a shield against gossip. Her name was Antonina Milikova. The marriage failed within just nine weeks, but after a period of self-imposed exile, Tchaikovsky continued to live as before. He enjoyed many close male friendships, many of whom would have been his lovers but there's still evidence that Tchaikovsky's sham marriage took a toll on his mental health. Before getting hitched, this is what he wrote in a letter to his brother. I will at any rate abandon my habits forever. How appalling to think that those who love me are sometimes ashamed of me. After the separation, Tchaikovsky suffered a severe creative block, which may have been linked to depression. This inner turmoil can be heard in his music, and many of his most renowned works are defined by themes of forbidden love, otherness, and being an outsider. As a queer classical music fan, I can certainly hear this in his music. In 
In 1869, he wrote an orchestral homage to Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, the greatest tale of star-crossed love ever written. At the time, Tchaikovsky was under the spell of Edward Zak, who was studying music in Moscow. We don't know much about Zak, but he could well be the love of Tchaikovsky's life. Writing in his diary many years later, where much of the information we do know about him exists, the composer writes that he'd never loved anyone as much as him. But tragically, Tchaikovsky lost Edward, just like Juliet loses Romeo. Zak took his life only a few years after this orchestral piece was written. It's heartbreaking to think that the inspiration behind this piece may have been a prophetic warning of the death of Edward Zack. Victoria Irish is a violinist and deputy chair of the Philharmonia Orchestra in London. It's always an exhilarating piece to play. He writes so descriptively. You can hear the star-crossed lovers tiptoeing to meet each other, and his intoxicating love theme from Romeo and Juliet is used in countless television series and movies. And also, in the original version of The Sims, it was used when two Sims connect as the love theme. This idea of unrequited love crops up again in perhaps his most famous work, the ballet Swan Lake. The story goes like this. Princess Odette has been transformed into a white swan by the evil sorcerer Rotbart, and she can only be transformed back to her human form by the power of true love. Prince Siegfried, an eligible bachelor, comes across the swans dancing on a lake and quickly falls in love with Odette. But on returning to his palace, he's tricked by Rotbart into dancing with the sorcerer's daughter, Odile, the black swan. Entranced by Odile, Siegfried is unaware that his actions have doomed Odette to remain transformed forever. Distraught, Siegfried and Odette cast themselves into the lake to die together. Swan Lake took on new resonance with the LGBT plus community when choreographer Matthew Bourne premiered his unique interpretation of it in 1995. It examines masculinity, queer romance and mental health by casting the swans as male dancers. This subtle change turns the lover's forbidden romance into a gay love affair and the tragedy becomes a wholesale rejection from society, both by the humans and the swans. The prince and the swan, in Matthew Bourne's version, are viciously killed for their non-conformity in the passionate climax of the work. Matthew Bourne brings to the surface Tchaikovsky's own role as an outsider, 
The ballet is a breathtaking spectacle and it's on tour in the UK for the rest of 2019. Do not miss it. Yeah, yeah I keep saying it, but the outsider is, is going to have a unique thing which can be kind of cathartic for everyone. Adam Winter is an orchestral double bassist from Leeds. He thinks that Tchaikovsky's inattention as a gay man comes across in his last ever piece of music, his Sixth Symphony. Here he is speaking to Gay Star News as part of Digital Pride 2018. First movement, sort of like uncertainty, but then moments of, you know, kind of quite passionate sort of, you know, depth of feeling coming out. There's um, a quite sort of whimsical, sort of unusual, uh, unusual uh, second movement because he's ripped, right, so the main tune with five beats in a bar, which is like just not the done thing around that side of time. It's all about kind of twos and fours and threes and, you know, kind of regular things like that. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a waltz with a limp sort of thing. It's, that's unusual. Then you have this sort of like unusually sort of like over the top kind of bombastic march. And then, like, extreme sorrow in the last movement sort of fading away to absolutely, you know, despair. You change, don't you, when you get older. You don't, you stop, stop looking without. And you wonder if a person like Tchaikovsky was censored all the time and couldn't really live authentically, probably just got stuck in that tragic sort of first phase where all these feelings are swirling around, but you can't really do anything about it. It's just... Just constant angst. So it's it's kind of sad to think about how that might have been the driving force behind the creation of a piece like that. Adam is not alone in hearing turmoil in Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony. I mean, I hear it too. But also, for many years, speculation has been rife over the cause of Tchaikovsky's mysterious death just nine days after the work's premiere. Given Tchaikovsky's marital crisis and the fact that he had a history of depression, Musicologist Timothy L. Jackson suggests that the symphony is a deliberate musical suicide note. And unbelievably, that's not the end of the rumours. Some even suggest that Tchaikovsky was ordered to end his own life by a secretive court of justice over a queer scandal involving the composer's alleged relationship with a nobleman's nephew. Any truth behind this theory is unclear, but Pauline Fairclough rules out suicide. Historical interest in Tchaikovsky's love life has led to lazy assumptions. There is no evidence that the composer felt guilt or shame to the point where he would have taken his own life. His death was a terrible shock to his family, friends and Russia's whole musical community, but it happened at a time when cholera was so widespread in St. Petersburg that it was found even in the Imperial Palace. After the break, we dive deeper into the hidden queerness in Tchaikovsky's music, examine why Russia is happy to celebrate him, but denounce his sexuality at the same time, and we reflect on Tchaikovsky's history as Chechnya, a Russian state, murders, executes, and tortures LGBT plus people.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're back. It's Hashtag Queer AF, the podcast that commissions students, graduates, and LGBT plus producers to tell queer stories, a project by National Student Pride. On this episode, music graduate Patrick Reardon Morgan is examining the queer history of Tchaikovsky that Russia doesn't want you to know, particularly as they torture, murder, and execute LGBT plus people in Chechnya. So, Tchaikovsky died of cholera. He had many queer love affairs. He married a woman to deflect spiteful rumours. And he wrote some of the world's best love music. It's quite a life. So how is he viewed in Russia today? Well, unsurprisingly, their anti-LGBT government do not celebrate Tchaikovsky's remarkable queer history. In 2013, Vladimir Putin said, We don't love him for being a homosexual, but he was a great musician. And we all love his music, so what? So what, indeed? It begs the question, can you celebrate Tchaikovsky's music and yet deny his identity? We spoke to John Jacob, a gay man and classical music blogger, a.k.a. Thoroughly Good. I'm John Jacob. I am uh, a content producer, a writer, a blogger about classical music and the arts, uh, and I produce and present the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. I think that I have struggled with Tchaikovsky's music because... Actually, paradoxically, he is quite accessible. He is a master of melody uh, and, and orchestrates in a way that is very theatrical and therefore he creates art which is very inclusive. And as a result of that, his art is something that you could easily not listen attentively to. Consequently, there's quite a lot in his art that you would miss. So when I sat down to listen to Chike 6, which I know really, really well, but I listened to it this morning as a result of doing this interview, and I heard anguish and yearning and, um, oh, it was almost too painful to listen to at half past eight in the morning. But at the same time, I was aware that actually the reason I was doing that was because I was conflating my narrative about Tchaikovsky's life and all of the all of the questions that are posed about how he died, why he died, um, with my emotional reaction to the music that he'd written. And I don't think that's right. I don't I don't really think that's um, 
that's like I say, I think it's doing him a disservice because I don't think that he's set out to express his his anguish. I think it's just something that probably just happened anyway and we are retrospectively fitting. I was going to say, so did, is, do you think it's fair to say that like, subconsciously that, that was part of what was going on there? Well, maybe, but we will never know that. What Tchaikovsky does effortlessly is he orchestrates really strong melodies and he puts them within a, a theatrical framework. And I'm talking about the music. He sort of, he, he dramatizes that music effortlessly and does it in such a way that he pulls you in and he creates depth from one single melody. And you can certainly hear that in Romeo and Juliet where that, that tussle between um, Romeo and Juliet is expressed in a, in a very deep way in terms of a theatrically deep way. And I don't hear that, you know, when I hear that, I don't marvel at it because I feel as though I'm being represented as a gay man. I, 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 I hear that and go, bloody hell, that was great. The arts gives permission for people to explore important cultural issues and societal issues in a way that the mainstream media is failing those interest groups. And a case in point which may seem slightly irrelevant is that I went to the Edinburgh Festival a couple of years ago and I saw a student production about male rape. The message was incredibly strong and it prompted me to reflect on my own experiences. It helped me redefine, well, not redefine, it helped me define what had happened to me when I was uh, a lot younger. And that happened because I sat in a room and I watched a reasonably good production of a new work uh, exploring an issue which if I'd said to you, hey, let's go and see a film about male rape, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be something that you'd want to go and see. So I think in that way, it is vital to uh, give space to issues which wouldn't otherwise have the necessary coverage. Right now, the authorities in the Russian province of Chechnya are torturing LGBT plus people for being who they are. It is an international queer crisis, and in my opinion, an insult to Tchaikovsky's memory, one of history's greatest musicians who was allowed to practice his art and explore his sexuality relatively freely in the 19th century. The only way to liberate queer Chechnya is through diplomatic pressure and crisis funding, and that's why at Gay Star News, where I work outside this podcast, we are crowdfunding money for the Russian LGBT network. It's to help fund their work raising awareness about what's going on in Chechnya, as well as evacuate those most at need. I grabbed our CEO, 
Tris Reedsmith to talk about the Chechnya in Crisis campaign. So first of all, Chechnya is effectively a satellite state of Russia, whilst it is independently controlled with its own uh, president. It's very much under the under control in the sense of Putin and the Russian government. Um, and what's been happening is quite a big outspilling of, of hatred against LGBTI people. Uh, but over the last few years, there have been a series of crackdowns on LGBTI people specifically. We know that people have effectively been entrapped by the authorities, rounded up and put into, you might call them prisons, but actually concentration camps is a better description for them. They've been beaten, tortured, humiliated, and in some cases, they've never re-emerged. Um, and we believe they've been murdered, or we know that they've been murdered. Uh, and indeed, families perpetrating stuff. We've told stories about uh, lesbians maybe being taken out to the woods by their families and shot, and the neighbours just not asking questions. So it's a really shocking and incredibly dangerous place to be, uh, to be gay by trans. How can people listening help the LGBT Chechens? Look, there's a number of ways of helping. So if you can make a donation, we currently have a crisis appeal for Chechnya. Um, and it does cost, I admit, a lot of money to evacuate someone from Chechnya to safety, which is what we're trying to do. We're working with a Russian LGBT network who had effectively the boots on the ground, really amazing people who are getting people out and getting them to safety. So if you can make a donation to that appeal, even if it's the donation which is the same amount as a pint in the pub, that would be awesome. If, however, you can't do that, you can still help. So sharing the fact that we're doing our crisis appeal, sharing the news about Chechnya, sharing this podcast is a really good way of educating people about this. And start talking about it, like learn where Chechnya is, is on the map and start talking about it to people because that's what gets the word out there. This all blew up in 2016. But the way you're talking about it, it's like it's still happening today. Is that the case? Yeah, so it did blow up in 2016. And at one point, we felt that it had died back down again. But what I think happened is that the international pressure in the eyes of the international community went away a bit. And then they just started again afresh. I also think that we probably got it wrong when we thought that things were getting better. Because they're so good at hiding what they're doing, because they're not announcing that they're rounding people up and torturing them. You don't say, I'm torturing this person. Uh, you can pretend it's not happening if you want to. Uh, you need, need to be really savvy about it. It's first of all, keeping international pressure going. That's why sharing, talking about this issue is so important, as well as raising money to get people out and get them to safety. And we need to be really aware that this isn't just going to go away. It is continuing and that it probably never did go away. We're obviously celebrating or telling the story of Tchaikovsky's life in, in, in this podcast. Why is it important to tell the stories of LGBT plus people in history, particularly in Russia, which is so cruel to their LGBT community? It's absolutely vital to prove to everybody we exist and we've always existed. Like, I mean, I've done articles in the past about gay cavemen and lesbian cave women, like which we know from the sort of documentary that the paintings on cave walls existed. So, like, 
it's vital that we, we prove we always existed because we hear all the time, you know, um, being gay is not African, for example. It only happened when uh, um, the British or, or the white people arrived in Africa. And likewise in Chechnya, we've heard from people um, saying there aren't any gay people in Chechnya. There aren't any gay people in Russia. There aren't any bi-trans people. This is an invention. Uh, this is uh, something which has come in from the West. Absolute nonsense, and Tchaikovsky proves that. And also, the fact that someone they wish to celebrate as a national icon in, in, in Russia, quite rightly so, a huge part of, of their cultural contribution to the world. Being LGBTI is not a bad thing. LGBTI people have made a great contribution, and perhaps one might even say in some cases a, a larger contribution than, than many other groups into arts, culture, science, literature, like so much of the best bits of human endeavor. And if people know that we exist, if people know we always exist, and if people know that actually some of the people they admire and celebrate and look up to and which are central to their culture exist, it's very much harder to justify the kind of persecution which is going on or the hatred of, say, the Russian Orthodox Church which has allowed this to carry on. It's just hypocrisy. And we need to expose that hypocrisy. It's an essential part of the fight back. And also Tchaikovsky's music, I mean, is stunning. We ought to be celebrating that and admiring that and being proud uh, as LGBTI people that someone who is like us has created that and left that impression on the world. It's a moment of pride for us. So I'm going to set you a challenge. Go on Spotify and find Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony. Listen to how the first movement has this beautiful, arching love theme that's just so romantic and ravishing. Then in the second part, which we call the second movement, waltz-like dance, but it loses a beat. Then the third part, and how that then becomes a triumphant, jolly march that seems to just celebrate the entire world it's the last movement that's made critics wonder whether this music is a musical suicide note. It peters out, it dies away, it becomes just a mere whisper of life. Listen for the sadness and the tragedy. Listen to what critics have read as being Tchaikovsky's own death. Listen for the love that becomes a waltz, that becomes triumph doesn't succeed, that peters out and dies away to a whisper. Listen for the sound of people in Chechnya who have that same experience today. Let it move you. It moves me. LGBTI people are being murdered and tortured in Chechnya, and they need the global LGBT plus community's help. Please support the fundraising by sharing this podcast, sharing the campaign, sharing the GoFundMe link. Even if you only swap out that coffee you was going to buy and donate it to the campaign, every little really does count. You can support the Chechnya Crisis Appeal now. Simply search GoFundMe Chechnya to find the Gay Star News GoFundMe page or visit gaystarnews.com for more details. 
That's it for this week's hashtag QueerAF. This week's show was reported by Patrick Reardon Morgan at P Reardon Morgan on Twitter. An executive produced by me at Jamie underscore Wareham. With thanks to the at Philharmonia, the world class symphony orchestra for the 21st century, who supported the show and supplied us with music. Other music came from the Wikimedia Commons Library. Do you have a story to tell? This podcast pays LGBT plus producers, students and graduates to tell their most hashtag queer AF story. It's a project by National Student Pride. It's about keeping our pride of conversation going all year round. If you have an idea for a show, email me, jamie at studentpride.co.uk. We're just a couple of weeks away from the end of our season, but we're already planning season four. So start getting your ideas in now. Subscribe to the show and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us put the show in front of more people's ears. Or, of course, share the Spotify link with a friend or just tell them why they should listen to the show in their favourite podcast app. We're, of course, supporting the hashtag Chechnya in Crisis Appeal. The link to that is in our show notes. Or you can simply search GoFundMe Chechnya in Crisis Appeal. We are hashtag QueerF. So are you... And so was Tchaikovsky. Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky, one of history's most famous composers. A genius of Russian classical music. The man behind Swan Lake, The Nutcracker, Six Symphonies, Eleven Operas... Is this right? No. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> How am I doing? Just your normal voice. Okay. Okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.